listening to Partners in Change with Bree Dodd and Christian Dawson. Next up on Partners in Change is Erica Porter. I did not know Erica before we sat down and started talking. I think that we had just basically shaken hands uh, in the podcast studio and um, we jumped right into it. I didn't know her story. And now, uh, you know, an hour later, I am the biggest fan of hers. And I think you're going to have the same experience. Just somebody who is instantly charismatic and connected, somebody who has an incredible story doing really amazing things. I think you'll become as big a fan of hers as I did. Bree says a couple of uh, minutes into the podcast that uh, there's a lot of adult language in here. Uh, It's true. Um, She uses a lot of cuss words. Uh, It's really charming, though. And so uh, without ado, I bring you uh, Erica fucking Porter. Welcome to Partners in Change. Uh, today we're meeting with Erica Porter. Eric, I've never met you before. I'm so excited. You walked into the uh, the uh, uh, podcast booth right now with a t-shirt that says, Endorphasm, no bullshit since 2013. I immediately love you, and I <laughs> want to hear all about what that is. Oh, all right, icebreaker. So yeah. the meaning behind it, so let me get to the meaning of endorphasm. So endorphasm is the point during physical exertion that you feel all things are possible. So that is not just found in our little red room. That is found anywhere, whether you're taking a walk, you're doing yoga, you're hiking, you know, what you thought was the hardest mountain in Colorado, <laughs> and you find out that it's not, um, whatever it is. Whatever you're feeling, that's what I want people to to find. So the Red Room, Endorphasm, the facility, the gym was opened. Our mission is we strip away the bullshit and get you closer to your soul. So the whole premise behind it is, no, we don't have fancy towels and fancy this, that, and the other. We just, we strip away the bullshit. It's about as clean as you can get, right? It's it's impeccably clean, but Uh we don't deal with the bullshit. So we want you to just find and dig deep and get into whatever it is that you need in that moment, because really everybody walks through the door and their goal is just to be a little bit better than they were Uh that hour before. I mean, that's, that's it. Right. And then the equalizer amongst all people is just time. So how are you spending your time? How are you getting better? Are you stripping away the bullshit or are you getting caught up in, in the noise of it all? Amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> um, okay, and I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to back up and tell way too much personal information, but Erica is a friend and my coach, and I am just, like, stoked to have her here, and just fair warning, this will be a very explicit episode. <laughs> I've been since we started. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Okay. Um, so I used to own a yoga studio in Richmond. And the very first week that I opened, there were these two cute girls that came in, Lindley and Lauren, who had founded an Instagram page called RVA Fit for Free. And I offered a free class through the studio. And so they came in and tried it. And I just instantly became friends with them and ended up becoming really good friends with Lindley, who got me to move to Forest Hill and got me working at the Vale. And then she got me to come to Endorphasm. And I used to be heavily involved in CrossFit. And I just kind of fell in out of love with that and the culture when I moved to Richmond. And then as soon as I walked into the red room and had my first class, I was obsessed. And Erica's, I don't think I've 
ever been more in love with a person. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't like to cry in public, but I can cry over this episode. So I want to back up, and I think you should tell us your fucking story and where you started. <laughs> Setting the tone, your fucking story. Well, it actually goes way back beyond that. I mean, as far as endorphasm's birth and all of that. So I, I grew up, I thought I was, um, I had done gymnastics, ended up hurting myself, needed to find an outlet. I had a lot of energy and I ended up in dance. Loved it. Worked with kids worked on myself, thought I was amazing. I went to a performing arts school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania called Point Park University. The first day that we were there, we were challenged with presenting a piece that was expressive of ourselves and just um, gave a little bit of insight. So I was like, nailed it. This is so expressive. It's so me. This was fucking amazing. Right. And I was like, I had my hand way up high. <laughs> I was way up on like cloud nine. And then the director of the dance program did not mention a single thing about my performance. The only thing that he said was, you're too fat to be a dancer. Oh my God. So now this is in front of the entire oh dance God. student body and I'm mortified. So I didn't know anybody. This was my first exposure to the dance program. And so I took that as a, all right, I'm going to learn about the body. I'm going to, I'm going to get familiar. I'm going to understand the, the impact that physical exercise, nutrition, and all of that has on the body. And I became a personal trainer being my first client. Like I myself was my first client. I really wanted to understand what is the impact that fitness can have on the body, but really it was for all the wrong reasons. So I spent a greater part of my young adult life just being um, self-loathing and and just would look at myself and and think I needed to look differently and I and I struggled deeply. I struggled to find my place in the dance world. I struggled to find um, understanding with myself. I think a little bit of self acceptance and love and and that confidence. So. I moved to Los Angeles with, a little bit with hopes of maybe they would have different ideals of what a dancer was supposed to be. But I ended up still working as a personal trainer and I loved it. But it was actually more the conversations with individuals that I think made a bigger impact than the fitness itself mm -hmm. until I got invited to take a group fitness class, which I had never done before. I had danced group, group wise dance, but never taken a group fitness class. This was an ex like Navy SEAL dude walked in. I was like, shit. So I walk in there and, you know, we're doing like burpees and I don't know what. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to die. I felt like <laughs> I was dying. But at the same time, it was the first time as a young adult woman that one, I didn't think about what my body looked like. The only thing that I was thinking about in that moment was, holy shit, I'm doing this. Right. And I'm watching everybody else, every ethnicity, age group, size, shape. I mean, just everything. And I was thinking at the end of that class, at the end of the hour, I was beat down, but I felt more accomplished in that hour and more present in that hour than I ever had in my entire life. So I go home and I'm the guy that I was dating is still the guy that I'm dating now. So this was, I was 24 then. So I go in and I, you know, I, I told him, I'm like, dude, I don't know what the hell I just experienced, but it was something amazing. It was amazing. I'm like, I have no idea how to articulate it other than, holy shit, I just did that. 
two weeks later, we're driving to Big Bear Mountain, driving in the car, getting ready to go snowboarding. And I'm like, in a dwarfasm. Excuse me, he says. I'm like, an endorphasm. That's what I had. And he's like, I don't know what that is, but it's brilliant. So we Googled the word, doesn't exist. So in that moment, in our drive, going up to Big Bear Mountain, we trademarked the word. I love it. And we defined it. Because he's like, well, tell me what you felt. And I'm like, I felt like I could do anything. I felt like I could, I, I was magical and strong and empowered and bold and 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 me i felt for the first time like i was me so we defined it as the point during physical exertion that you feel all things are possible that's amazing so now i sat on that that was in like oh my god that was in 19 maybe in 2000 maybe in 2000 But I sat on that word. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this. None. So fast forward now, we were living in LA. We moved. We had an opportunity to move to New York. Um, Carlo, who is my, uh, we're not married. He's my partner in crime. I choose not to be married. I like living kind of in sin. Um, (laughs) So we've been together for 22 years, almost 23, something like that. But his grandmother had an apartment in New York City and they it was rent controlled. The family had kept it and they were at the point where they're like, we're done with it. And we're like, oh no, we want it. $400. Oh my God. In Soho. We're like, we'll take it. So we went, we moved in 2006. We moved to New York. Still have not done, this is now six years later, still have not done anything with endorphasm. I'm still working with clients, still still doing group fitness, doing all of that. Now in New York City, taking classes, doing stuff. Then we end up going, I go on a book tour. You guys have not asked me a single question. I told you, I talk. No, go, go, it's well, great. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so I write a book that is about the monkey on the back. It's called Eat That Monkey. Now is the time to change your life. So the book is... You got to get the monkey off your back. You need to address the root cause of whatever issue it is that you're having. And only then can you have any kind of repair in whatever it is. I struggled with compulsive overeating. So that was a, I wrote it for myself. I knew that if I could help myself, that I could help other people. So in writing this, I went on this book tour and I self-published it. And I went and I did um, different interviews with ESPN radio because I was, I had a lot of relationships because I wrestled professionally. So <laughs> okay. I, wow. I, uh, okay. So I connected, I connected with, um, you know, the, the industry people that I knew and said, listen, I wrote this book. It's amazing. I really wanted to use it as more of an educational tool, not to be a bestseller, really just to do public speaking and to utilize that book to educate people and for them to have it as a workbook. So, uh, we're coming back to the wrestling, by the way. I, uh, well, we'll come back to the wrestling. So I did that. We're on the tour. On the tour, we end up, so the people that own this building now found out that we were living there. And um, we basically went through this whole court process and were evicted from the property because New York City says you need to be living with the original leaseholder two years prior to them vacating the apartment or the planet. Neither of those two oh, things wow. happened. Yes. Got it. So we were evicted. So we had three days to get back 
We were in, at the time, Arizona doing an interview. Our car was in California. We had to get back to New York, move all of our shit out of the apartment and be out of there uh, in three days. So we hustled across the country, went, got all of our stuff, ended up going and living with Carlos at, at their parents' house. They were living in South Carolina. I hated it there. I got pregnant. <laughs> got pregnant. So now I'm in a place where I hate pregnant. And I'm like, dude, I had the baby, Carlo, the fourth. He's amazing. He is amazing. And uh, he is amazing. The coolest dude. And so I'm like, dude, I am not living in Suffer, New York. That's where we were, Suffer, New York. It really is almost what it sounds like. If you live there, I'm very sorry. It's beautiful, but it wasn't for me. So I'm like, I'm going back to California with or without you. So he's like, all right, well, we'll go. So I'll fast forward. Now we're in limbo. He's like, I don't know about living in California anymore on a postage stamp with a kid. We're not close to family. We got to go back home. Now, where do we go? I can work from anywhere. He can essentially work from anywhere. What do we do? So we start inquiring different places. We're like, we're not going to live in the tri-state area. We don't want to pay those taxes and we don't want to, you know, deal with all that traffic. So we had friends living in Richmond, Virginia. So now... I'd been living in New York City and living at that time when we moved back in Santa Barbara, California. So I came to Richmond, Virginia, reluctantly, dragging my feet, pissed off, hated it. And the, and the truth is, I didn't give it an opportunity. I didn't give it a chance. I uh -huh. didn't look at Richmond at what it could be. Now, I have made the greatest friends I've ever had. I think part of it is being a mom, that some yeah. of that softened me. And allowed me to kind of put roots down, which I had not allowed myself. I wanted to be untethered my entire life. I was like, oh, I'm just free and, you know, I'll do whatever I want. Had a kid, needed to make some decisions. It was time to be an adult, be responsible. I was at a dinner one night with an old friend that lived in California. We happened to be with the group fitness uh, director of Gold's Gym Arboretum. And so my girlfriend's like, yeah, you need to have her come and teach classes. She's amazing. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm retired. I'm not doing that. I'm just doing public speaking now. And she's like, she's going to come and teach for you. Just give her a class. Just put her on the schedule and she'll end up showing up. Which is pretty much what she did. So I had one class. I committed to one class at Gold's Gym Arboretum in Richmond, Virginia. Went and I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that I hadn't been doing this for so long. So one class turned into three classes, turned into five classes, turned into the snowball of just building this, this incredible community of people that understood what the endorphasm was. So now fast forward when I went to the director who was a new director and asked them if I could have a raise, only because I was spending a lot of money driving back and forth because I live in the boonies. And so, you know, she asked, well, what makes you think that you deserve a raise? Oh. So I'm like, well, if you as the director don't understand that, then I, uh, this is my resignation. So I went and I told all of the people, I'm like, look, I don't know where I'm going to go. We'll do stuff in the parks and then we'll figure something out. So people followed. So then here I am in limbo, like, what do I do? Never dreamed that I would open up a facility. But I started printing shirts 
just randomly to see like if people really understood. I'm like, if Richmond, Virginia, who's kind of on the cusp of being super conservative, yet they really want to get out there, but they're a little bit behind. So I'm like, well, if endorphasm works in Richmond, it can work anywhere. So I printed shirts that said got endorphasm and I could not keep them. Like I just like sold them out of the trunk of my car. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's amazing. The word works. People understand it. And so at that point, I had a decision to make. What am I going to do? Am I going to next level this shit? Yeah. Because I have such a deep, just love for what fitness can do for an individual that I made the decision, okay, I'm going to open up a studio. I want to, I want to pause for just one second because I, that, okay, this is a, this is a formative time in this story. I know, but this this word, right? I just want to hang on this whole idea of this word for a second because you're like people understand it. You made it up. You made yes. it up. And and you Brilliant. know, people people talk about how an, a uh, a successful business needs to have a central mission and thing you're trying to accomplish and stuff like that. Like yours is like you defined a word, but people in, intuitively understand it because they've had a little bit of that experience. They want more of it. And you were able to put that on a t-shirt and be like, oh, wow, people get my mission. They get where I'm coming from immediately from something that you just envisioned. That that blows my mind. And I think it's so exciting. So this is this is how I look at it. So you have this this triangle, right? This pyramid. At the top of this pyramid is the E, is the endorphasm, Right. Nike's just do it is below it. Under Armour's protect this house is below it. It is the why of what drives each individual to keep coming back for more, yeah. right? It's the reason professional athletes play. It is the reason why boutique fitness and fitness in general and everything that goes along with it is a multi-billion dollar yeah. industry. There's a reason there is a reason why we have Spartan races and Tough Mudders and Weekend Warriors and all kinds of free fitness and, and things that are out there because people want to experience that, the feeling. That's what keeps them coming back for more. The the, the feeling, the, this idea that like you get to a certain level of of exercising, of like honing your 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 body and yourself and trying to reach excellence within within yourself that like you get addicted to a little bit. You do. And it's not even the aesthetic, right? It's not even, it's a feeling. Yeah. It is so much deeper. It is a sense of belonging. It is a sense it, it's truly, and that's what kind of got me into the foundation. I mean, there's other reasons, but it is empowerment. It is something that you as an individual, no matter what have control over you have a bad day, you still have the opportunity to just leave it on the floor, whatever that is, whether it's a yoga mat, whether it's a, a run outside, whether it's coming into the red room, whatever it is, that is you and you have control over that. And, and you it's accessible. And it's accessible. You mentioned the word presence before, and it brings you into total presence. You're in the moment. We are usually throughout the course of our day, we are stuck in, you know, what happened last week, that thing that really embarrassed me or upset me. I'm freaking out about that. I'm really worried about this thing that's happening in the future. Like I'm freaked out about that. And you spend most of your time either worried about the past or fretting about your future. Yes. And this is a moment that you are chasing that you feel within yourself where you you are there you're it's here clarity. and in the moment it's clarity 
Love it. Right? It's when everything else is silent and like the music gets turned up a notch and you lose yourself. It is clarity. Okay, so we got a lot more story to get into in the next like 12 minutes or so. So, <laughs> so so now you start the studio. So now I start at the studio and I and it's funny because um so Carlo and I are polar opposites. I am like living in the clouds. I'm like, woo, passion all the way. I'll just go with it. Gut feeling. I am that kind of person. He is just very calculated, very risk adverse. Very, you know, I, he's like, where's your business plan? I'm like, I don't have one. I know conceptually what I want, but it's going to, it's going to be redefined many times before it's exactly what I want it to be. And it has to be organic. It has to be. I cannot, I can define what endorphasm is. I cannot define what the experience in that red room is going to be until I've had it for a period of time. And I, and I figure it out because I don't want it to be so contrived that I'm locked into what I think it should be versus what it's going to develop as so very different thinking. I mean, I think now where we are and it's, we're in year eight, I think it's, um, I think it's just now really at the point where it needs to be, I think. And I still have not arrived, right? It's uh-huh. still, it's still not perfect. It, it will never be perfect, right? Because you we will as, never arrive. Yeah. You, you will never arrive. And I don't want to really, because the journey is a blast. The journey right. is a blast. And I love every single person that's come along for the ride, whether they're still there or they've just been a part of it for a little bit. It's they've made it what it is. Your focus on the presence, on on the being there today, oh, rather totally than am. fretting about the I'm future. A, it's I'm a great, like real YOLO person. Like you <laughs> know, okay. Like you got to live right now. So something I want to empower people to do is is to um, embrace change, right? And because a lot of times, like we can leave something great for something greater, but that takes, it's scary and, um, and it takes risks. So what can you attribute your adaptability to and this like boldness to live? Um, I think change is inevitable. Like I've seen it since I was a little girl. It just, it happens. Um, some of it is great. Some of it is not. But I, I believe that the not is sometimes the greatest part of it all because it really um, it really does present the opportunity for the most growth. Um, I don't ever want to go through life thinking, what if? You know, I, I don't ever want to be that individual that said, man, if I had just done that, if I just spread my wings and fly, I might fall on my face and I have many times, but the, the feeling of at least trying is so great. A thousand percent. It's so great. It really is. And it's scary. And I, but I kind of like that. Uh-huh. Where I kind of lives, right? It is where passion lives. And it's, um, 
But, but I do believe if you really want to take a leap, you have to believe in what you're taking a leap for. I think if you are on the fence and there's that much hesitation that you need to think maybe about what it is that you really want, right? I mean, I think that anybody that's wanted change and you look at the, you know, people that have done great things and have, whether it's innovation or just, um, you know, technology, whatever it is, they had to have a deep love for whatever it is that they were willing to chase and whatever yeah. to do differently or to change in order to get there. Um, God, just love it. Life is short. Life is short. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do is wish you had done something. So speaking of change and evolution, there's been a lot that's happened both, you know, just in the past year and a half with the world and then personally. So what, where, where is endorphasm going? What does the evolution of endorphasm look like right now? Well, so the evolution of endorphasm is really to bring you know, I, this is the best way I can describe it. If Hyatt hotels was to create a shoe, right. Can you envision what that shoe would look like? No, 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 absolutely not. If Nike were to open up a hotel, could you envision what the vibe of that place would be like? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. I, I could. Yeah. I could totally. So to me, it's the difference between like a logo, like you could smack anything on a Hyatt, you know, hotel and, and pretty much it just be a hotel. Yeah. You cannot, Nike is a brand. Right? They are a brand. They have presence. If you took the shoes away, it's it's got a presence. It yeah. is a brand. I believe that to be true of endorphasm, right? So yes, we have a studio, but we are so much bigger than just a studio. We are truly a brand. If I were to say that I was going to go and open up a, a brand of hotels, I think that most people that understand the endorphasm would be like, fuck yes, I know what that place <laughs> looks like and I'm going to stay there. I've known you for less than a half an hour and I get it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really, for me, the evolution of endorphasm is to really have it recognized as the brand that I believe it to be. Um, so we are rebranding. So we have three entities. Those three entities are endorphasm. We know what that is. As far as uh, the physical space and what it is, we have endorphasm foundation, which I'm more than happy to get into. And then we have the Erica Porter piece, which is, um, I believe I'm an incredibly marketable entity, um, but I love to talk. I love to, you know, and I have a lot of, of value, I believe, either through, you know, the paths that I've taken to help people or just um, with the foundation to, to communicate with people and to really empower individuals. Mm -hmm. So bringing those three entities together as one central brand, as the endorphasm brand, which is about the feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, to me, the sky's the limit because, you know, this should be an endorphasm cup. This should be an endorphasm bottle. Apple <laughs> should have endorphasm computers, you know. I, I I love the change that you're articulating here. The the, the things that you're going to do to change the world with this with this brand and this feeling that you're bringing to people. Oh my god, I don't even know where to go next. I want to know. I, I want to know about the foundation. I also want to know about the wrestling. The wrestling's <laughs> awesome. Let me, so wait, I have a really great story with the wrestling. So in um, 
Carl and I had been dating for two years and I ended up getting, so I had different friends. I had no ambition of being an actress in any way, shape or form, but I had different groups of friends are like, Erica, they're looking for athletic women for the superhero show. Out in LA, there's this this, um, paper called the backstage. And so it's got all these different auditions and things like that. And so they're all like these actors. And so they're all telling me about this. And I'm like, I don't, yeah, I'm not interested. But by the third time that somebody's like, Erica, I really think you should check out this audition for athletic women for this superhero show. I was intrigued enough to just go. So I walk up and I walk up and it's in Marina Del Rey. It's in a hotel there. And there's hundreds of women there, but they're all like Baywatch, like blonde hair, blue eyed, buxom, just like have it going on. And I walk up as this, you know, kind of boyish, you know, athletic brunette who is not California at all. Like I just, I'm like, I just have traveled to the beat of my own drum forever. So I'm like, "Mm, I don't think this is for me. So this little short man comes running up and he's like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't think that I'm supposed to be here. He goes, no, 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 don't go anywhere. Please just stick around. And I was like, all right, fine. So I go in and then they unveil this whole like revamp of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling from the 80s oh my gosh same owner same everything so now they're they're rebranding it as like more athletic more wrestling like legit wrestling and um so i'm watching this video and i have friends at at that time that were wrestling for the wwe and they're like oh my god erica this is right up your alley but the women were just kind of like a sideshow and i'm like oh i'm not i'm not anybody's sideshow like i am the show so I'm like, not interested. So I'm watching this thing and it's all women. It's all about empowering women. They're different women, different backgrounds, ethnicities, and it's all about the empowerment of women and a superhero show. So we go back and I go into the, like, the audition part of it. And they're like, um, if you were a superhero, who would you be? And I was like, I, like a blank. <laughs> For the first time, I was like speechless. And the first thing that came out was Catwoman. And they're like, well, how would you call an opponent? So I was like, here, kitty, 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 kitty. And I was like, oh, my God, I just made a total ass of myself. So they asked me a couple other questions. That's the only thing I remember because I was so mortified. I was like red. I've never auditioned like that before. And I go home and I didn't even say anything to anybody. I just went home and like three weeks later, I get a call hey, we'd like you to be one of the women for, wow, women of wrestling. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> right? I'm like, really? I was like, can I keep my job just in case like this doesn't work out? And they're like, keep your job. We'll work around your schedule. It was the most, I, the first day walked in there and I was like, oh, hell yeah. All I did was like <laughs> climb up the ropes. I threw myself off. The training was the most intense thing I'd ever done. It was, I was sore in every single part of my body from like running the ropes, slamming myself on the ground and just learning the technique of how to be a professional wrestler. Greatest experience. I'm still involved to this day. And uh, the organization Wild Women of Wrestling is actually, we have kind of um, with the foundation have taken this kind of like twist. So we're going to have an event called Wrestling with Cancer. 
So um, WOW's first event back is going to be centralized around the wrestling with cancer theme. And so the network that we will be on will do all of the promotion behind it. And so to kind of really spread the word about the foundation and uh, I'd still like to get into the ring one more time. That's incredible. Oh my God. I want to be there and see that. Well, let's, let's use that as a chance to, uh, to talk a little bit about the foundation. Yes. Yes. We've been mentioning it here and there. What is Endorphasm Foundation? So Endorphasm Foundation was, you know, all great things I think are born out of, you know, some necessity. So in, uh, actually one year ago yesterday, I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer. So during this whole process, very overwhelming, but, you know, just taking it all in, you know, basically relinquishing all my control to the medical community in what my treatment plan was going to be, what I needed to do. Here's your, you know, your wig uh, prescription. Here's your this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, oh my God, a wig, that's the least of my problems. So there's not one part of that conversation. And this is no fault of the medical community. It's just not protocol, right? It Mm -hmm. is not what they do. There is no part of that that is empowering to the individual. You relinquish all control, hoping that the medical community, you know, gets it right, right? The right standard of care, the right, you know, treatment plan, all of that. Not once is fitness talked about. Not once is there a conversation about what empowers the individual. And so I was like, huh. So I went that day when I got home and I started searching the internet about the benefits of exercise through treatment. I mean, article after article after article. These are medical peer-reviewed articles. I mean, these are not old. These are new. I mean, and it goes back 20 years about the absolute importance of movement during cancer treatment and beyond because it helps the individual, not only physically, because the the treatments are so um, overwhelming, both physically and emotionally, but it helps the individual one fare better during treatment physically, but it allows a person to empower themselves and to do something for themselves that is within their control. Again, going back to, right. So the concept is to, to, have those individuals experience the endorphasm in in a way that is suitable for whatever treatment they're going through, wherever they are, whether or not they've ever exercised before. And I've met with, you know, so the job now that I have is educating the medical community on the importance of it's got to be a first point of contact with you, either, you know, the oncologist, the nurse practitioners, whomever it is that's interfacing with those individuals to say, listen, this is imperative. This is critical. This is you taking control of this situation. And so a lot of those people have never moved a day in their life. So for them, what I say is cancer is a lot harder. Having the ability to feel better during it and after, you can do. And I want to help you. So this is a service. One, we educate the medical community. And so we have 13 major um, cancer centers that we are 
approaching first. Then with that, we're building a database. The database is so that there is an application in which the individuals coming in, then the referral comes from the doctor. They get connected with a cancer exercise specialist, and it has to be someone who is a certified cancer exercise specialist. We have three of them that we've trained here in Richmond. Um, cancer exercise specialist. Yes. That is a thing. That is an actual thing because there are so many variables when it comes to cancer. Um, and so they need to understand if somebody's had reconstructive surgery, if they, you know, if they have the inability to do anything other than from a chair, they need to be able to work with these individuals. So it's an intensive, very, um, very thought out program that really allows them to effectively help an individual. So the goal is to be able to do it in a group fitness setting because there is nothing greater than the accountability that you have and the sense of community that you build with a group of people. So we hit these 13 major cancer centers. We connect them with the database of the individuals that we have vetted to make sure that one, they truly have a passion for doing it. And it's just not just another like little certification that they have so that potentially they could earn more money. All of this, then the foundation covers the cost of free of cost to the individual for the lifetime of the individual. So there are programs that exist, but the individuals have to find the program first and then it's out of pocket expense to them. There's a lot of cost that comes with a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. We don't want them. We want to take all of the work out of, you know, getting involved and empowering themselves. And the, the whole premise is move through cancer. Wow. Move through cancer. Yes. I'm I'm in awe of of that and how that's organically grown into something that can be so impactful to so many lives. Coming out of your experience to be able to 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 take that experience that you've had and turn it around to figure out how you can do the most good with it is And I'm living proof yeah. that it's I mean it absolutely is life changing. I mean, you know, I try not to go and look at like statistics, but if you go in and you look at, you know, what is the life expectancy for a stage four breast cancer metastatic patient who's got bone cancer in their lungs, everything else, you know, they're like six months to a year. Well, I'm here a year later. I'm thriving. I wouldn't know anything differently if I didn't already know. I would be like, yeah, I'm fine. And I really am fine. So I am living with cancer. I'm thriving. And I believe that more people should be thriving. And you're projecting that healing out into the world from that. Hell yeah. And you've come through this story that started with like being told you weren't enough in a dance class to being able to tell people that they're enough to get through the hardest thing they've ever dealt with in their life. Yeah. And now, I mean, you talked about how like I might cry during this thing. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I love you to death. I think she's truly probably the most brave person I know. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I, I don't look at myself as being brave. I think that we have options in life. And I think that either you're going to live life to its fullest. And I do believe that there is far more satisfaction in um, if you have the ability to help and lift others. I think that's the magic of life, right? I mean, <laughs> Ultimately, um, you know, it's um, 
I just like people to be better and I, I like them to see what I see in them and that's it. I just want, you know, people to YOLO. <sighs> and, and that's amazing. And I, I, you know, I can imagine that dealing with cancer is, is, is something that, that definitely takes people out of the moment and, and throws them into worry about the future and, and fears about the past. And, and that idea, centering back to this endorphasm, you know, YOLO focused word that makes so much sense to me. Uh, I mean, to that community, it seems like a transformative experience. Well, you guys talked about the change and I was talking about, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is when, you know, we're, we're all terminal, right? I mean, we yeah. really all are. It's just sometimes we know that there's an er earlier exit and maybe not. I mean, maybe not, but I look at my life. It were, it, if it were all to end today, what I know for certain is I have not a single regret and that I've lived life to its fullest. I mean, my, my saddest moment would be the fact that I don't get to see my son grow up, but really I have fucking lived and I have enjoyed and I have lifted others. And hopefully that impact is greater than anything that, I mean, I could even ever do here on this planet. Wow. Incredibly inspiring. In incredibly inspiring. <laughs> I just, everyone needs to experience Erica Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, since we're nearing the end of our time to today, and there's so many more stories that I want to hear, uh, you know, should we jump to our ghost question? Absolutely. <laughs> I cannot wait for the answer. Because <laughs> you were talking about like, well, if my life were to end today, well, let's let's imagine that it has. You you've died, and okay. and you get the choice to haunt somewhere, anywhere in Richmond. Oh, wow. Where in Richmond would you haunt? I don't want to haunt. Oh. I don't. I don't think I would want to haunt. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like I've surrounded myself with the people um, that make me better. Um, and I kind of just, anybody, I mean, I, I've never really clashed with anybody. I mean, maybe I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm certainly, you know, somebody shot a whiskey or whatever. But <laughs> um, man, I, I would not want to haunt anybody. I really wouldn't. I think that I would want to just every once in a while, like on a beer lap, that's a, our little 200 meter run. I would like to be a little cool gust of wind <laughs> for Ooh. when they're like, oh, my God, it's so hot. Um, I want to just be a little cool. And people would know they'd be like, oh, my God, there's Erica. <laughs> that's what I want to be. Helping. That's what I want to be. That's my haunting. Helping people little, do a little more than they thought they could. Yes, just a little cool breeze on a hot, humid, rich day. Know, that's what I yes, want to be. I can tell you from experience in the beer lap when you're like having that like holy shit, I'm not gonna make it moment. There you go. Yep, I'm that little cool breeze. That's it. And everybody will know. They'll be like, oh, today. I love it. Oh my so god. So maybe that's haunting because they're like, we don't want to run. Well, anyways, I am obsessed with you, and I just, yeah, again, hope that everyone gets to experience what is Erica Porter, and we support endorphasm, we want endorphasm, we are, we're here to, we're, we're here for the ride of it all. We so thank you so much. I'm all giddy right now. So much yes. for our time with you today. I loved it.
It's been amazing. We'll speak again soon. For sure. That's it for this week's episode of Partners in Change. A big shout out to our friends at Common House for providing us a space to bring this podcast to life. To Sonny Washburn for the killer music and to Adam Clark for the rad cover. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time, Richmond. This podcast has been brought to you by OpenEye. They are your partners in change.